Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to Curious K Podcast, and Happy New Year to you! And I want to wish everyone a great 2022. Uh, my name is Kolafo, and I'm your host. Uh, and I want to say a big thank you to everyone that is listening to the show across the world. Uh, thank you for the love. Thank you for the support. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Curious K Podcast is a show. Uh, where I meet with amazing startup founders, uh, ecosystem builders, policymaker, VCs, angel investors, and everyone working to make entrepreneurship thrive on the African continent. And today on the show, uh, we are featuring Ayo Dawudu, uh, who is the founder and CEO of Loyster. And if you don't know, Loyster is a retail and loyalty platform designed to help micro, small, and medium businesses sell and repeat and, and drive repeat sales in their businesses. And the goal is simple, so that businesses will become more profitable. Uh, and I read something very interesting on Loyster website, uh, which is a quote by Peter Drucker. Uh, it says, the purpose of business is to create and keep a customer and i find that very very uh insightful hi thank you very much for joining us today on curious k podcast uh thank you colapo it's a pleasure so how are you doing today hi and happy new year to you of course yes happy new year to you as well i'm doing fine i mean the year started so work has started um we're beginning to ramp up so yeah so far, so good. Amazing, amazing. So I, I just want to go back, uh, memory lane. Uh, I know you've been in the tech ecosystem in Nigeria for a while now. And um, what the earliest memory I can have uh, is the Lean Startup. Uh, arguably, I think that was the first Lean Startup uh, workshop organized uh, in Lagos uh, then. And yeah. I actually participated in that in, in that lean startup workshop, and it was it was mind blowing. Uh, so let's just go back and start from that point. Uh, as part of uh, an ecosystem player, I mean, why? What led you to hosting or organizing a, a workshop or a lean startup workshop for startups? Were you building startup, or how did that happen? Okay, um, I mean that's. That's a good question, and that um, take me back to I think this happened in twenty fourteen. Yes, it's actually, yes, it's, a, it's actually a good, you know, um, it's a good way for me to to cast my mind back and think about what happened during that period. So, I read I started reading the Lean Startup book by Eric Rice. Um, I think I started it during my, you know, postgraduate studies and. I just found it very interesting in terms of how to launch innovation and things like that. And coupled with um, Steve Blank's um, Epiphany book. So those two books sort of, you know, got me curious. And coincidentally, there was a company or there was a startup as well, you know, called the Lean Startup Machine based in, in the US. And their model was to sort of provide a platform to help other startup founders launch and validate their ideas very quickly because what was common or what's still common today is that you know people have ideas and then they have you know lots of assumption about their ideas and then you know they're very excited about it they go on to build it if they're developers or they go on to hire you know engineers if if they cannot develop it themselves and at 
months, 12 months down the line, they realize that, oh, okay, this is not working. Basically, they've built on false assumption. But this workshop, you know, sought to sort of help founders very quickly and in as low as three days, figure out whether or not your idea was going to succeed, right? And so it was very exciting for me. Um, I got involved with those guys in the U.S. and they were looking to scale into Africa. And at the time, they had not had any workshop in Africa. So I unlocked Lagos and with the help of some other players within the ecosystem, I remember Toby Davis was very helpful. Um, we, we launched that workshop. We, we basically held it for three days and it was, it was a success as you can tell. Yeah, at that time, I'd not started building a startup, but it was a good way to get into that, you know, startup space. Amazing. Yeah. So uh, I, I think that's still relevant to today. I mean, uh, the essence of people validating their idea, uh, you know, people say, I mean, they, we have quotes that ideas are dime it doesn't, right? Yeah. I mean, the most important thing is execution. So people still spend a lot of money uh, on ideas that maybe won't work. But with the knowledge of the Lean Startup methodology, that would save them a lot of money. So how do you think maybe, I mean, this knowledge can be spread within the ecosystem and people building or trying to build startup uh, can get a glimpse or understand this concept? Yeah. So I think um, since, since the days of, you know, the Lean Startup, as it were, the concept has sort of evolved, um, even though the fundamental is the same, but, you know, as you tell, as time passes, you, you get smarter about these things and then you can improve the process. And so the concept is still fundamental to talking to your customers, right? Not just building from your own assumptions, talking to your customers, which is like customer development. And of course, rapid, you know, prototyping or rapid development. So um, I remember a quote from that book. It says, you know, the fastest customer wins. I mean, I mean, sorry, the fastest, the fastest, um, founder wins, right? It's not about how much money you have or how fast you can learn, you know, from your customers. And that still applies today, right? If you have an idea, you want to be fast about validating it. And that just involves, you know, talking to your customers and then as fast as possible, launching an MVP and then taking the feedback from that MVP, iterating, and then the loop continues that way. So you don't want to, again, you know, there are nuances to these things, right? It depends on your industry. So you might not be able to apply this model in every aspect. For example, in health tech, that's a very regulated space. You want to be sure that things are, you know, working. I'm just, I was just looking at this old scandal about um, Elizabeth Holmes and Theranos. Yeah. So such industries might not exactly apply, but there are some things you can still pick out anyway. But the whole point of everything in the, at the end of the day is because is to ensure that you can, you know, make something that your customers want. And that comes from you, you know, getting very close to them, speaking to them, understanding a day in their life and those things. Right. So it's still very, very relevant today. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I think uh, I remember I, I participated in that workshop. Uh, I was building an audiobook company at that point, talking books. It was interesting because uh, uh, at that point, the solution was for students in the universities, right? Yes. Uh, 
we wanted students to learn uh, to read by listening. Okay. That was what we thought was like the, the best solution. Uh, but during the workshop, during the Lean Startup uh, workshop, after speaking with students in Unilag, Yabatech, realized students would actually prefer videos. I mean, <laughs> having That's a conversation, we learned students wanted video, not just audio. Video would be a better mode for them to learn. So, I mean, I think it's, uh, but at a point, we had the pivot where we focused on uh uh, professionals, right? Okay. Because for us, it was hard to get even lecturers to, to give us their notes or to convert some of their notes to, to video content and all that. A lot of bureaucracies. But right. we, 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 we later figured out, okay, why not just focus on books, uh, uh, business books, professional books, where professionals, young professionals, they understand right. the value of knowledge. They want to learn. They are busy. They are stuck in traffic. I mean, what other way can they consume, you know, this information? And the audio book was just put on for that. But the key lessons while we were trying to build something for students in the university was trying to understand. We, we learned that video was just the go-to mode of mm. content. And we yeah. were busy building audio. And that was one of the key values in uh, yeah. I mean, I can still hold on to during the workshop. And now that I see startups, uh, ed tech startups trying to build video content uh, for even secondary school students uh, using uh, animation, I'm just like, this is the way to go. Yeah. <laughs> At the point when I was trying to build something uh, in audio, the customers were saying video, video. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, it's just very powerful uh, how the Lean Startup concept is. And I hope people building or trying to learn or trying to start to build uh, startups understand the importance of quickly validating, you know, yeah. their ideas. There is a lot of lesson that can be learned from just making sure you learn and you listen uh, to your customers. Because as founders, I know it's what you want to build that it's in your mind, you know. Exactly. Your baby, your idea is like, Eureka. So you're <laughs> like, no, I, I don't want to change this, you know. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's, it's really interesting. Yeah, so hi you so so let's talk about a loyster. All right. Okay. So by the time you organized uh, this lean startup workshop, uh what were you doing at that point and what led to 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 starting or establishing uh as a company? Okay. Um so if I remember correctly of which I, I do. The idea for Loyster, I had had that idea before that workshop, um, but I had not started executing on it. Nice. Um, so it was just in my head because this was after my postgraduates and the concept for idea came during my postgraduate studies. Um, but I didn't really act on it, even though I did some work, you know, in terms of technical work, but in terms of commercializing it, nothing had been done at that time. And then right after the workshop, I actually went to to MEST in Ghana. So I spent two years in Ghana at the MEST program. Um, so it was there, I sort of, you know, fleshed it out a bit. And that's how it got started. But definitely, I had built out uh, a technical part of it. So the mobile app that just did a basic, you know, loyalty program, I started working on that. Um, and then, you know, the MEST environment at the time just gave me further leverage to sort of, you know, 
validate more of the assumptions and then eventually we launched all right so can you tell us about how the the platform evolved or okay or did you get into mest uh, because you said you had the idea before going to mest so was the application to mest based on loyster idea absolutely not um as a matter of fact if you understand how the mest program um worked so it was basically a two-year software entrepreneurship course and it was a very broad course where your thoughts communications you know programming and um, business right those three concepts but you have different models for it and at the end of each each milestone you have something they call capstone project where you come up with an idea you try to validate it and launch it you know within a short period so you sort of go through the startup cycle the early stage of the startup cycle multiple times just to give you a sense of how to you know handle juggle product development launching go to market and things like that so um i mean the first idea wasn't even related to loyster if i remember correctly it was around um i think venue marketplace so i i, I once launched a company called venue99.com and it was a venue marketplace where if you wanted a meeting space or you wanted an event hall, or you needed a co-working space sort of created a marketplace. So think of it as Airbnb, but not for homes, but other kind of spaces, right? And I was very excited about this idea, my team and I. Uh, we signed up venues in Ghana, in Lagos. Um, but eventually, you know, as someone who is very software-oriented, I, I quickly discovered that this is a very operations and offline um, business. And for you to do a very good job at the time, you would need to be very present on offline, right? So, because imagine you wanted to book a, an event or, for example, and in Nigeria today, that might run into millions. Nobody's going to pay, you know, a million naira or anything close to that online, right? They want to see, they want, <laughs> they, they want to engage you physically, right? So it was going to be difficult to to be involved in that transaction, even though we had a way around that, actually, because we had, a, we had a, I would say, quite a brilliant idea on how to navigate that. But just the fact that you had to sign up, you know, those venues offline and, of course, deal with, you know, educating the venue owners on on how to use and just digital technology generally was sort of not an encouragement. But anyway, we had a good run with that. Um, I know we signed up quite a number. And then we moved on to another idea that was focused more on arts and crafts. Again, I think it was a marketplace. So connecting people, art lovers, with those that made, you know, handmade crafts. So it could be artists, it could be sculptors and all those kind of people. But again, that was just for the purpose of projects. It wasn't really an exciting project. Then I tried launching Loyster in one of the capstone, you know, as the, the spin on it then was quite different from what it is now, but we had we had a short time to sort of work on the project uh, and then eventually we had to now choose okay out of all these three projects you know which one seems more viable and that's how we went on with loyster and then you know moved on from there amazing yeah so can you just uh with your words tell us what loyster the problem you're trying to solve with loyster and what has 
been the growth like since you launched? Uh, and I also remember you mentioned uh, having technical background, uh, even while doing MEST. And um, so was this solution built in-house from the get-go? Okay, if, you, if you can talk about that as well. Yeah, I'll start with your last question. So it was it's definitely it was definitely built in-house. Um, I know I worked on the first version of the product myself. Um, but today, I know we have engineers that work on it. So it's 100% owned and built in-house. Um, so to describe Loyster as it is today, we, we call ourselves a digital commerce and loyalty platform. And essentially, our goal is to ensure that merchants are able to retain their customers. Now, if you're familiar with, you know, today, trying to acquire customers, you know, doing marketing and all of that, it's pretty expensive, right? And then if you say you acquire a customer for maybe on a unit level, $10 per customer, right? You want to ensure that you're able to capture value, at least capture that ten that $10 value, and maybe three times that for you to call yourself a profitable venture, right? Yeah. Um, so we're just trying to position, you know, businesses in that kind of framework by giving them the tools to sort of retain their customers and ensure that they are running profitable business. So um, it's very big. We are very big on driving repeat sales. But however, we also have other tools that sort of help you in digitizing your process. So we have our point of sale that sort of help you keep track of your sales, inventory, you know, invoice, receipts, CRM, and all of these rights on the loyalty platform, right? So you have an end-to-end platform that takes care of pre-sales, or maybe not pre-sales, like the sales process and then after sales. Um, so that's what Loyster is today. But we definitely did not start at where we are today. We started as just a loyalty-only platform. So what the app did in the early days was very, very simple. Um, you're a merchant, you want to run a loyalty program, you go on Loyster, and in like 30 seconds, you can set up a loyalty program. We ask you three simple questions. What's the spending target you want your customers to reach for them to for you to give them a reward? You enter a figure. We ask you what the reward is. You enter it. And then you just give your program a name. And that was it. Everything was powered by SMS. We're very simple too. And it was quite impactful. Um, I remember the early merchants then really liked how simple it was and how it just you, you just utilize the, the customer's phone number. So the customer didn't need to download any app or you know sign up anywhere. They just had to supply a phone number. So yeah. Sounds sound, sound really interesting. So who were the early adopters uh, of, of, of the product? Uh, was it like supermarkets or were like your core merchants you know using i know a lot of businesses need to build loyalty with their customers even b2b businesses yeah. were you building or launching all these businesses way which industry was like very key for you to typically grow into yeah so the very first customer customer number one i remember was a restaurant that was close by you know and if i it was it's it's an interesting um interesting story in terms of how they became a customer. At that time, when they paid for the product, the product wasn't ready. So what they essentially paid for was 
you know, we did a booklet as our MVP and we made like a table in the booklet where, you, where we had, you know, you could write a customer's name and their number. And then at the end of the week, we'll collect the booklet and just send, you know, a simple text messages to those customers that they should come for happy hour on Fridays, right? And the client really liked how that drove traffic, you know, and then based on that, we just eventually gave him an app to do this himself. And then from there, sort of iterated on and on. So food and beverage was the first industry we explored, followed by fashion, um, followed by beauty. So those three were the top um, industries we sort of positioned for. But today, you know, we cut across. The, the product is very horizontal. So you find we're in oil and gas, we're in um, laundry, food and beverage, of course, and even else. So today I can tell you, I mean, someone who's trying to launch a health insurance scheme is looking to tie some loyalty concept into it. So it's, it's quite an horizontal product and can plug into multiple industry. Absolutely. And how, what about funding? How was that like? I understand that you built this in-house in the early days you started, but what was skill like for you growing? I mean, in terms of funding, were you able to raise some funding? And how easy was the process for you? Like, Yeah, so um, most of our funding has been from our customers and I would say some grants here and there. We definitely have had discussions with investors. Um, as a matter of fact, in the early days, we did get an offer for a, pre a seed. I think it was a seed round then, a fifty dollar investment, and then a ten k. That that was in twenty sixteen, I believe. But those those terms didn't come at a very good, you know. A good um, the deal wasn't quite the best for us at that time, so we didn't go with that. But Today, we've received grant investments and mostly funding from our customers. And we've had conversations around mergers and acquisitions, several of those. So we're in a good, we're in a good spot anyway. Great, great. So, I mean, the best way a business can fund itself is when customers pay, right? Yeah. And I think, and I think that's the approach. Uh, that you're using so your growth has been organic from day one yeah and self-funded but the customers are really paying for the product because they get value in in, in the product yeah nice uh so what are your plans uh, uh for the future all right i mean right now you've been running loyster for three four years uh, if I'm right, or more yeah. than that, you can give us a specific timeline. So where, where do you see Loyster in, in the nearest future, in another three years, another four years? Yeah. So, I mean, what we built is more of uh, a product that will be able to sustain itself. So it's been, the way we've evolved over the years now, it's been, um, the product has been designed in such a way that the technology itself can be sold or can be deployed without, without we having to run it. So we've seen people that said, oh, I love your technology. Can you give it to me, you know, as a white label? And then I take care of all of the marketing and stuff like that. Um, so we see more of that happening in the future. Um, 
even so we have like complementary products for example we have a product called you rewards which is our customer facing um, platform that also leverages on the loyster technology right so we as a brand can decide to spin off you know another product as it were and use the loyster technology another brand somewhere can decide to you know launch their own loyalty scheme leveraging on loyster and you might not know it's loyster right um so that's sort of our growth plans um looking at the next two three years that's our sort of path to scale it's something we've tried in this last year and it seems to be the most efficient way to scale without having to you know spend on marketing and things like that all right great so it sounds interesting and i would also like to talk about adoption right uh, what can you say about uh, the adoption of, of this technology? Uh, because I still see a lot of opportunities in terms of businesses that need to still adopt uh, a, a loyalty system to bring back their customers. I mean, there is a, uh, a supermarket in the in the neighborhood where I live. I mean, uh, I buy most of my groceries from this supermarket, but I mean they still don't have the kind of solution like this in the system. And if, if I don't even show up for weeks, they don't know, you know? So I'm just, yeah. I mean, I would just like to know in terms of your thoughts, what, what's the adoption like at supermarkets or retail businesses or drinks and beverages? Are they willing to click on to this solution? Is this something that you're looking forward to? Is it expensive for them? What what has been the story like uh, based on since the time you've been running Loyster? Yeah, so it, it, it's a mix, right? Especially depending on the the level or the, the stage of the business. So what we find is that for small to, for micro to small businesses, so those are businesses that, you know, might have maybe one to 10 employees, maybe one location, or maybe just a solo business owner. Um, they might not, what, what they want is even new customers in the first place. Before you can return, before you can drive repeat sales or get your customers to come back, you must first acquire those customers, you know? So with them, it's more of, okay, you know, how can I, first of all, even digitize my process? And that's where our point of sale comes to play, right? So they make you find our point of sale tool being used by such businesses, um, food and beverages, smoothie, cafes, you know, such businesses. So the loyalty side doesn't as much, even though for some merchants it does, if they know how to like apply it to their business, but majority of them just use Loyster for the record keeping aspect, inventory and things like that. Now, when we move over to like the medium to, to bigger businesses, um, then those ones see the need to like drive repeat sales across their customer base, right? So you see them, you know, happy to and set up their scheme and begin to run it. Um, so it's a mix, right? Depending on the stage of the business. Um, but how we are approaching it again, like I said, is um, engaging with, you know, partners directly. And these partners are in turn the ones that are going to sell it to like the end user, right? So if a supermarket wants to, you know, adopt a loyalty program, they'll probably hear of Loyster from their IT procurement officer, whoever is handling their IT, right? So that's sort of our path to serving those kind of 
customers. So since you've been running Lostar, what, what, what can you say has been like one of the biggest challenges that you faced? Uh, I think the biggest challenge would be, so it varies. At the time, we struggled with just getting the right people on board. Um, so I know at the time we had someone that was taking care of our customer support and customer success. And, but the person just stayed on for like three months until they found like another opportunity and left. And for a long time, we didn't find, find the right fit. But now that we have the right fit, that kind of, that side is kind of stable. Um, so I would say finding people to sort of come on board was one of the challenges, but it's not more, it's not, today it's not more, it's not like the main challenge that we experience. Today, the challenge would be actually just scaling, scaling the product, um, scaling the products, just like reaching more merchants, um, having more signups on board, and then having the capacity to serve them like efficiently. That's what I'm thinking about these days. Do you do you worry about competitors? Well, not so much. Um, <laughs> not so much. I. So it's still very early days, right? And uh, you know, when you look at the space, you see everyone trying to sort of do something, but you know, with a different approach. And at the end of the day, you know it all boils down to how much you're spending and how much you're making, right? So I always like to think that we are very capital efficient. Now we can do much more with less. So if you, you know, imagine we have the same level of resources that our competitors have, we would do way much more, right? And then I can, I can, I can say that like we're doing way much more than what they are doing. Um, just for the fact that, you know, we've been able to figure out a very efficient model, right? So I run, I have a very lean, small team. And given the fact that we've not been funded, the kind of clients that use our products, uh, I mean, you can think from the micro, small business in Gambia, you know, that sells beauty products and runs a spa. So like a company with 19 locations across Nigeria or even a, a government parastata, right? Um, we just what we just we just the resources that we have, so it doesn't get better than that. We're serving government, serving businesses, serving you know uh, mid-tier businesses, and once you have that figured out, you have you sort of have a working model and you can scale from there. So I'm really proud of how where we are, despite um, the resources that we have. Absolutely, yeah. Th- thank you, thank you for sharing that, Ayo. Uh, and I still believe there are a lot of businesses uh, that still need to understand the benefits uh, of of creating a loyalty programs for for, for their customers. All right, uh, because businesses in Nigeria, Africa, mostly don't don't really have that culture or that excellent culture of serving their customers i mean you go to some places they'd be like i mean do you have change if you don't have change go <laughs> you know there's two businesses yeah. with cultures like that I mean, yeah you know? so 
I mean, uh, hopefully with your platform, I believe uh, businesses or even local businesses uh, yeah. will, will understand the importance of, uh, of building customer loyalty. And I, and I believe Lostar will be there to, to fill in the gap. Thank you very much, Ayo, for, for sharing all that. Uh, so as we wrap up, is there anything you'd like to, to tell us? So, yeah, definitely. I mean, for the most part, we've been focused more. you know, products type businesses. Um, so again, just to give a sense, right, from just the loyalty aspect, I know what we started out with was a loyalty program and it's still a big part of what we do, you know. So we can think of our product as a two, as two pronged, right? There's the loyalty side where we've done a very good job. Um, we have, you know, four different loyalty models, simple points, stamp, multi-level loyalty and instant rewards and so depending on the kind of scheme you want to run you have something that Loyster can offer you and then on the other side we have a tool that you know serves as a point of sale that you can use to track your inventory you know track your sales track your customers send invoices send receipts um, do automated marketing so get the messages uh, SMS broadcasts segmenting your customers into groups so you can you know target your marketing um so you know that's how like the two sides of the product but in the coming months we'll be adding more functionality to serve service type businesses so even though we currently have some of those kind of businesses currently using the platform it's not well optimized for them because there's a gap in in scheduling and then bookings so think of like a, a spa, right? So some of these spas want their customers to book a session. And, you know, you just walking in might not be the optimal experience they want. So they need a tool that can sort of manage that aspect. And then, of course, tie it back to loyalty. So we're definitely, we are working on that. And be, that will be available in like four to six weeks. Um... You can also just expect, you know, a wide-scale loyalty scheme. It might not be labeled Loyster or being pushed by Loyster, but, you know, you can expect that Loyster is powering it. Um, Something more for the grassroots. Um, What else? What else? What else? Yeah, I mean, we're always innovating, so you can expect to always find something new once you check back you know, three months, six months, and so on and so forth. All right. Yeah, thank you, Hayo, for sharing all that. And thank you for taking out the time to be on Curious Gear Podcast. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. All right. Yeah, thank you, everyone, for listening. That is Hayo Daudu of Loyster. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this episode. And looking forward to seeing you next time. Bye-bye.